0: John chapter 8, where we're going to park it for today. I'm going to have us read John chapter 8, and then we're going to back up and go back to the beginning. The Lord clearly has spoken to me. We need to talk about growth. And thank you. Thank you so much for those who are joining us by live stream. From the first day in January, the first Sunday in January, and I want you, please, however you take notes, I want you for this next month of March, month of March, the month of March, excuse me, make sure whatever writing device you have, you take taking notes. You will not miss one revelation, one nugget from God that's going to change you. So when I talk and I share with you that this week will be different than last week, it's because you're getting a revelation from God that you're going to see things differently than you did last week. That's for you if you choose to do that, great. That's totally up to you. But I'm going to be walking through and I'm going to to be teaching, thus saith the Lord, what God gave to me. And I can't be intimidated. And I can't hold back from what God wants us to receive. Because life is at stake. This morning, you're going to be commissioned to be agents of life that your language is going to change your leadership is going to change because you're going to understand life so in January we looked at spiritual growth and we labored and we came to the conclusion that God is the one who prepares our heart for growth that God is the one that initiated salvation God prepared your heart to receive him that's how committed he is to your success We then looked at personal growth and we looked at the seven ways to dominate your day. And we looked, not only did God prepare your growth, but God is the one that's performing the work in you so you can grow. He's securing your salvation, folks. He's securing your success. And after laboring and after having my plans laid out for what the month of March was going to be, he changed and he says, Rowan, it's impossible to have growth And not conclude with life. Growth and life are connected. Life and growth are connected, and growth and life are connected. And so today we want to take a look at a story that if you study it, and I don't have time to get into all the details of how the scriptures came together. But this particular story in the early manuscript that they said it didn't make it into the Bible. That some of the early writers, they, they looked at this particular segment and, and they said at least they don't think it fits into the book of John. It, it almost seems like it fits into the book of Luke. But, but, but the story, the story is, is critical for us to understand in life. I prophesied and I said to you, I said to you that, that this week will be different than last week. And in the story that we're going to read in John chapter 8, we see that this was the very case of this individual. How many are familiar with the story where we title it in some Bibles, The Woman Caught in Adultery? We're familiar with that story, but I'm going to be bold and change the title of that. Because the story really has nothing to do with her. Because we've all been caught in something, and so if we look at it, we may think, "Well, I've never, I've never committed adultery, so the story doesn't relate to me." So, so the story is not really about her. It's about the result of an encounter with life. That I promise you, that her week was surely different than the last week. Oh. All morning, that's been coming up in my spirit. And the Lord brought me right back to what he's been giving me. And he says, now it's time to preach the word. Because now you can confirm what's been happening prophetically and spiritually in the atmosphere. John chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. Let me read. I'm going to make some points But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. If we have it on the screen, if we can get that on the screen. Amen. We have it up. There we go. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, he came again into the temple. And all the people and the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. Let me read on further. Who was caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. And Jesus and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. They watched and witnessed. And never said a word. Verse five. In the law of Moses, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? Verse six. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stood down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left. <laughs> until only Jesus was left. Everybody was leaving Till only Jesus was there. How many can identify with that when people walk out on you? Come on. Thank God Jesus still remains. With the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Have no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Just declared, go now and sin no more. Or as one translation says, Leave your life of sin. Today's message is L O L. L O L. In Genesis chapter two, and I had put a uh, I, I sent a post on Facebook, and I just said these words choose life, speak life, and live life. And when I put that on Facebook and the Lord quickened me, and he says, Rowan, that is how the church is going to grow. Is that people are looking for a place Where people have chosen life They speak life And they live life And I said yes Lord And I believe these three things These three things That this morning you have to choose life You have to make a decision That you're going to speak life Therefore you can live life It is virtually impossible To live life without first speaking life. And it is impossible to hear me gather in place, and those watching on Facebook Live, it is impossible to speak life until you've actually chosen life. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So right there from the beginning, we recognize that when God decided to create humanity, he breathed into them the breath of life, and they also became a living being. God in his perfection, when he speaks life, he also gives living. Because we're going to find out that after the fall, that there was life was taken But humanity was still living. And so because people are still living, they assume that they have life. And so because they can have all the toys and says, look how I'm living, they assume that they have life. And the Father wants you and I to know today That he is about life, and it's through his life that you know how to live. That's why in Psalms 150, verse 6, it says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise he the Lord. See, there are people who are living, but they don't praise the Lord because they don't know life. Can I teach this thing? He says, Let everything that has breath do what? Praise the Lord. So he commands that we ought to praise the Lord. That's why when you come into a gathering of believers who have life, that's why praise is contagious. Oh God. That's why you can't time or you can't tame or you can't predict how long praise is going to go. Because he says let everything that has breath praise the Lord. He didn't say let everything that is good and everything that's going right praise the Lord. He said let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So if you are breathing this morning, God's command for you is to praise his name. Acts 17 verse 20, it says for in him we live and move and have our being. In him we live and move and have. Our being. God wants us. God has decreed, God has declared that we should have life. That we should have life. L-O-L. What is interesting is that, how many remember when, before smartphones became the thing that everybody had, there was the T9, I believe it was, where you had to, Pick one letter before they give you the entire thing. You have to hit it three times to get the letter. Or if you want to get the, hit it there and then, and then send your instant message. I remember when we lived in Mary and I was in the garage and um, um, Megan had left and I was sending a message to somebody. And five minutes went by and I didn't come in the house yet. And ten minutes went by and I didn't come in the house yet. And he says, oh my gosh, are you still sending that message? I'm like, yeah, babe, it's T9. I'm trying to, I'm trying to send that message. And I remember um, when all the emojis and all the different things came up, and, and I would send one that I thought it was meant that I was, I was uh, uh, laughing. And in reality, it was tears, and I, I didn't know. So, so someone's texting me something, and I'm trying to respond by saying, hey, I'm just laughing with you. In reality, I was sending tears. I, I was confused about the instant message. I, I, I didn't know the emojis. I didn't know the, the, the right ones, how to, how to communicate. And so we live in a generation now where they don't use all their words. They just send letters. B T W. By the way, and and, and and TMI, too much information. So you gotta you gotta figure out all these different codes of instant messages now. And and and, and, and so it, it, there was a, a, a was reading about this grandma who who didn't know that LOL meant laugh out loud. She thought it meant lots of love. And so she would say, Hey, your aunt passed away, LOL. And the recipient would say, Oh my gosh, why are you laughing at that? She says, What do you mean? It means lots of love. He says, No, it doesn't. Google it. You know Google always has it, right? Whatever it's in Google, it's right. So I want to share with you what I believe, the LOL from v Come on, somebody. And we just shared with you that God in his creation and God in his perfection wants us to have life. He wants us to have life. Pray for me this morning, please. And it says we do not exist to make a living. God created us to have life. And so therefore we labor and therefore we, we, we do things to try to make a living. when you ask somebody, hey, what do you do for a life? And they say, well, here's what I do. They're typically talking about their occupation. They're talking about what they do to make a living. But in reality, that doesn't mean that they have a life. Because you can work seven days, two jobs, three jobs just to make a living and have no life. And have no life. And so God wants us to know that when he created us and when he breathed the breath of life into us, we became a living being and so it's God's idea. God is one that says, I chose life, I spoke life and I want you to live life. That is from the very heart of God. He wants us to live life. And so here it is now that the enemy comes on the scene and he now gets to a place where he, he talks the first human beings out of life. And he says that you can live like God. As opposed to them recognizing that God is my life, the enemy was able to convince him that now you can live life. And we believe we can live life outside of God, but it is impossible. And you have to be bold in your belief to understand that if someone doesn't know God, they don't know life. And here it is now. It says in Genesis 3, verse 7. So in Genesis 2, verse 7. We see life being demonstrated, life being developed, life being spoken. And now in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, it says, And the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed big leaves together. They were now living together. Oh, gosh. Because life had left. They were now living together. And so, as a church, we can gather. It doesn't mean we have life. It means we're just living together. Come on. We have the same things going on and we're just living together, the same struggles. The only difference with the church and the world is we have Christianized language for our issues. That, that we, we just call it, and so because it's more holy, if we just add a, a Christian phrase to it. But there's no difference between how the church is living and how the world is living. And that's because God has called us for life and not just living. So here he is now. We see that they sewed fake leaves together, trying to cover themselves up. Because now relationship had lost its life. What they used to look and see is life. Now they covered it up and you can't see my vulnerability. And we're going to see, I didn't forget about John chapter 8, we're going to see how things have not changed over the centuries from the time of creation to where, that's why I believe God that this story had to make it to the scripture so we can identify. Because if the church is going to grow, the church is going to grow because we have life. As a pastor, my desire is for the church to grow. It's for people to come and, and I see as pastoring, My wife and I and all of you, I just pastored hundreds and thousands of people. But the danger that that can be, the danger for a pastor to simply look at numbers is that what happens is now is that we look at our method of church growth. And so we find the six ways to increase your numbers. And so they tell you, hey, here's what you got to do. You got to only preach 30 minutes and you got to be able to do this because surely when they go to the doctor, nobody waits longer than 30 minutes. So people are so accustomed to living that way that if you try to give life and it doesn't connect with how they're living, they're not going to come. They're going to choose their living versus life. Let me back up on that again. And so because of statistics, we then conform, and then we then compromise in the name of we need to be relevant and reach. And all we have done, and all we have done, I'm not saying every ministry, what I'm saying the danger of this is, is that when we look at that, we produce leaders then that know statistics, that knows marketing, and they grow the church, and we assume because we're living together, that means there's life. and the way God looks at life is so different than how the world looks at living so we look at our method and then we always say we can't change the message we can change our method but we can't change the message we can't change the message and so that's why you have to be creative and there's so many creative churches they haven't changed the method They've ch- they, haven't changed, sorry, they haven't changed the message But their method may change. But the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is life. It is life. Can I teach this thing? And so here it is now. That in Genesis chapter 4 verse 10. We see the first LOL. The loss of life. The loss of life. And this has been permeating throughout the nations. Throughout culture. That we first see them living together. They sowed fig leaves. They were living together. And all of a sudden now, as the scriptures continue, as we get to Genesis chapter 4, we now see that worship is involved because of everything that has breath, Praise the Lord. We now see Cain and Abel. And Cain and Abel now over an issue of where they couldn't live to oh. And because they couldn't live together because of worship. See, worship will expose things. Come on, somebody. And that's why they don't want people to worship long. Because the longer you worship, the more things get exposed. The more things get revealed. And sometimes because we don't know that life is in Jesus, the enemy exalts our shame. And so he says, no, 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 no. Doesn't take all that. And so here it is now, that worship, that worship was the issue. And so God told Cain, and he says, listen Cain, if your sacrifice is pleasing, I'll accept you, I'll accept life. But sin is at the door, and it's trying to master you, it's trying to take your life. The goal of sin is to take your life. That's why you can live in sin. Oh, my God. The goal of sin is not to stop you from living. Oh, that was deep right there. It's to take life from you. (laughs) God, I'm feeling this thing. Me and you, Jesus, we're having a good time right now. Amen. Amen. And so he says, he he says, came. And all of a sudden, because he opened the door to sin, Loss of life. I was telling Omega when I woke up this morning, I said, This message is be preached in Chicago. Where they're just taking life like it's nothing. Even in the city, when someone can take life like that, it's because they don't know what life is. And they're just trying to live. They're just trying to live. And so I want us now. The goal of this particular message for this month is for this city and for whatever city you live in, that you're going to now start declaring, I choose life. And I believe that this message is going to get to the halls of those who are drugs or killing over drugs, over disease, over everything. That life is now going to take place and we're going to see that the things that we're speaking now is taking place. And, and, if, and if I only have one other person that's going to believe with me, that's all I need. That's all I need. That's all I need. Because here's what what I believe. That God wants life in Marion. And as a result of that, I'm only going to speak life. I'm only going to speak life over this city. Right? When I see companies going out of business and leaving that out against us, no! No! Because those companies were employing people who was making a living so we can bring life to them. Oh, God. So when a company goes out of business, when it closes, that should let us know. No, bring another business in, Lord. I'm preaching this thing. Because people at the, at the beginning can only say, I've got to make a living. And that's the start. But God is saying, no, it's about life. So if the church speaks life, people then can live life. Oh, God. See, when you understand life, you'd be able to make decisions about employment. That's based on assignment. Come on. And not just benefits. Huh? So at, at, at my current employment, I, I was I was so nervous because it required growth. I went from one place and and I was there and, and I was I was so nervous. I called my supervisor and I said, "Hey, I don't know if I can do this. I I, I don't know if I can do this." We talked it out. We worked it out. And here, was God's is growing, I'm growing. There it is. I'm I'm I'm. It's not about you making a living. It's about you having a life. So the job's not your source, bro. Because that's just where you make a living. But your assignment, oh, that's for somebody. Your assignment is your life. You have a life assignment. Oh, my God. Oh, I want to pray for someone this morning. Your life assignment's waiting for you. Your life assignment's waiting for you. But because the pressures of the world and of finance and the economy now, we're, we're, we're not tapping into life. We're making a living and we're not tapping into life. But I'm here to prophesy that this week is going to be different than last week. Because you know your life assignment. That's for somebody here this morning. Can you imagine when you walk up to someone, Elder Kathleen, and you're talking about life assignment? Oh, good God Almighty. They say, what you talking about, girl? I'm talking about life assignment. Right there in the grocery store. Where they can have the faith to believe God that guess what? God has given you life and life more abundantly. And they leave your presence. I choose life. I speak life. And I live life. Let me hurry. So it says the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. That's key. Circle that word ground. We're going to see how important that is. So the first LOL we see is loss of life. but, But that's not God. That's not God. That's the enemy. That's the devil. That's the lie. That's sin. What we're going to tackle this morning is the law of life. That when God spoke, Ian, when God said, let there be life, uh, let, let there be light, there was life coming out of that. Light and life are connected. So when you live life, you're actually a light. And in Philippians, he says, because the the, the name is manifest, and he's saying that when you understand life, you will manifest light. Come on, come on, come on. And that's why God says, let there be light. In reality, let there be life, and things came alive. So when you understand life, you become a light. Because you are the light of the world with a light because people are in darkness trying to make a living and in our story in John chapter 8 she was in the dark trying to make oh God and the religious folks were supposed to teach her life and so here we have it now and this is your assignment this is your life assignment you ready for your life assignment someone said, give me my life assignment Now, we manifest it and we demonstrate it different ways, okay? But the life assignment for every one of us is still the same. Because I believe God has called me apostolically to this city to bring unity to this body right here. I believe that with everything in me, when I said yes to this assignment, it was assignment from God, not from man. Come on, somebody. This was my life assignment. And because I said yes, God is saying, bro, now you're going to speak life and you're going to live life. And your assignment is in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. And here the apostle Paul is saying, "This is your assignment. This is your LOL. It's no life and matter. This is not some instant message now that you can just send. This is a way of life." He says, "Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, right back to Cain and Abel." God is telling us about the law of life. When he says, let there be light and life came, God didn't variate from that. He stayed the same. Someone said, thank God he stayed the same. And now he's saying to his church, here's the law of life. Here's how you manifest it. He says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit and the spirit of God moved over the face of the deep. I'm teaching this thing. It's so good. Those who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. I I went to Magon, and and one of the things I enjoy about about, um, uh, serving God's people, is when I get to talk to them one-on-one, and I was telling a friend, I said, thank you, man. I said, you talking to me, you gave me revelation for this message. See, I'm open to God teaching me, right? I don't care who it's coming from. I'm like God, praise God, you all teach me. Because I'm open to being taught. Amen, somebody. Right? Makes it from the word, but I'm open to be taught from, from you all. And and, and, and and what we did after our conversation was this. I said, oh my goodness. I said, you just gave me a revelation. Am, am I just living together or am I doing life together? I said, babe, are we are we doing life together? I got to go to my children, Danny, Lizzie. Are we doing life together? Because I don't know about you, but there's times I come to my home and, and I get in and, and they're happy to see me, of course, you know what I mean? And I'm excited for that. But there's times when Danny's in her room listening to her music and Lizzie's in her room doing her thing and Megan's working on church stuff and I go to my – and so all of a sudden we're living together, but there's no, no. – so I said, we're going to have a family time. This is when we're communion. You know what I mean? Get them spiritual. That you tell them what you're going to do, right? We're going to have community. And we're going to do something every two weeks. As a family, we're going to do life. I know I'm teaching this thing. Because when we do life, we can see the challenges and the issues that we're facing. And so we can carry one another's burden. And I believe how this church is going to be packed from the rafters that we have to go get CVS and we have to continue to do another campuses here. Is why? Because people out in the world who are making a living are desperate and they're coming to find out where can I find life? It's not about living together, it's about life. How do we do life? See, it, it, it's not called marriage living. It's called married life. It's not called parenting. It's, it's how do I parent my children for life? And so it's critical that we understand this. Am I, am I making sense? So this is your life assignment, brothers and sisters, and in the context of Galatians chapter 6, 1, 2, here was with the Gentiles now were grafted into this move of God and the Jews had to understand this is how you do Life. What you've been doing is just a religious exercise of trying to make a living. And I'm here to tell you that the religious folks, as long as the Romans gave them their little occupancy, as as long as the Romans gave them their little place where they can rule and reign, they loved it. They loved it. As long as they had their areas where they can have their jurisdiction and have their temple and have their things, they thought that was life. No, they were just making a living when they went into the temple and they were selling the oxen and they were selling the pigeons, it was to make a living but this was a place of life oh God the temple was a place of life but they made it a place of living I know I'm preaching this thing, come on your life assignment is not just to live it's to have life oh Father in Jesus name I, I, I prophesy over every life assignment that, that, that has been laying dormant This week will be different than last week. Mm. So here it is now. So the first thing we see here as we go is we see the law. We first take a look at the law. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Jesus was accustomed to this place of prayer. In Luke 22, verse 39, and verse 41, it says this Jesus, in Luke 22, verse 39, and 41, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, what place? The Mount of Olives. He said to them, Pray that you do not fall into temptation. So he's going back to that life assignment again, right? In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. He says, he that's overcome in a fault or in a sin, you are spiritual, restore such a one, but be careful that you're not tempted. And so he says, here's how you'll be able to protect yourself from being tempted. He goes, you've got to have a place of prayer. Oh God. And here was Jesus who walked in the kingdom of God. Now listen, there are many schools, there are many people who are going to study the life of Jesus, but they do not understand that Jesus is life. It's one thing to study the life of Jesus. It doesn't mean that you have life in Jesus. It just means you know about a historical figure. And some people come a great philosophy. And they put him up there with Gandhi. And they put him up there with Muhammad. They, they put him all this place. But I'm going to tell you, he is life. So that gives you the boldness. That's what's going to separate you. I don't care. You may not like it that you have to live separate. But if you're going to have life, you have to live separate. The word of God says that. It says, You have no other God but me. Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the so you could study him, you could study Muhammad, you could study if you could study all you want to, but in those you will not have life. Life is in Jesus. Studying those individuals just makes you smart, but it doesn't mean you have wisdom. And this world operates on trying to be smart, not on wisdom. You can't tell me you have wisdom and call evil good and good evil. That's you trying to be smart. Trying to figure out things. I'm teaching this thing. Your life assignment is to be able. And it starts by being a place of prayer. And in verse 41 it says, he withdrew about a stone's throw. That was so awesome. Beyond them, knelt down and prayed. So the Mount of Olives, the setting was Jesus was accustomed to prayer. And if a church is going to grow, it must be because we make prayer a priority. In your marriage, in your business, in your life, I don't care what it is. You need to make prayer a priority. You will not be able to sustain life if you're not praying and receiving life. Oh God you will burn out. On Wednesday, I talked about the statistics of pastors and how they're betrayed and and how their families and and divorce and all the stuff that happens. It's because they're trying to make a living. I'm not minimizing the attacks. I'm not minimizing the spiritual warfare. That devil is out to take our pastors. He says, strike the shepherd and the sheep are going to go. I get it. But when I read the word of God and I read the apostle Paul, I don't hear when he says, I'm burned out. He says, I'm on fire for God. Help me, Holy Ghost. Someone don't watch this and think I'm talking about that. You know, those things aren't real. So you need to establish. So you need to get time to go away so you can refresh. But if you're just taking the time, just a vacation, you're not taking the time to have life and pray and seek God. So I'm telling you, you who has a life assignment? Who's bold to say, I got a life assignment, Pastor Ron? That's it. I have a life assignment. Then make prayer a priority. Make it a priority. Look at your place of employment as your assignment. Right? And so here's, here's Patrick. You're starting a business entrepreneur. I speak life over your business. I speak it's going to prosper. It's going to be a successful business. So you can employ people, right? So when they come, you can say, it's not nice about making a living. I'm going to teach you how to have life. Come on, somebody. Right? Because when you give your business to God... God will give you business. Come on. Ooh, this is good stuff. I'm glad you came this morning. So glad you came. The setting. The setting. Jesus demonstrated the importance and significance of a prayer life. A church that desires to grow must have a prayer life. Must have a prayer life. Acts 12 verse 5 says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by who? The church. The church was praying. They were praying for Peter. Pray for me, (laughs) y'all. Amen. We pray for one another. And then John chapter 8, verse 2, it says, At dawn he appeared again in the temple court where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. This was not the first time that the people gathered to hear Jesus' teaching. Jesus was not only accustomed to prayer, hear me now, parents, Hear me now, your life assignment must be for the generation to come. That Jesus at the age of 12, when his parents would always go to the temple, every year they would go to the temple. Yes, it may have been religious. Yes, it may have been their duty. But I'm telling you right now, if we don't get young people in the church where they see life, they're going to go out there and try to make a living. And the culture and society is going to corrupt them. I'm telling you right now. And here was Jesus at the age of 12. At his father's house. Asking questions. Giving answers. We need to have young people who are asking questions. We have a generation asking questions. Where is God? I don't see life. And here was Jesus. And I'm here to tell you. That I am. I am. I'm angry. That someone could be raised. In a communist country and I don't care what people say, they're gonna remain communist. And someone could be raised in a Muslim society and and they could be raised Muslim and you can't talk them out of it. But we have believers that the moment someone says something young people start leaving the faith. That devil is a liar. Come on somebody. I'm mad about that. But you could say, I'm a Muslim American. Muslim first. Then American. And the church, we sit there and we don't say, no, I'm a kingdom citizen first. Because you can't talk to them out of praying three times a day. Come on. Because they were brought up knowing that if you remain, they were brought up, told, this is life, A.J., that's what they're told from a young, this is, this, this is life so when they go to a Christian school and they want to pray and there's a conflict between their upbringing and what you're doing they're so strong willed, come on somebody that I read that they would go to the hotel beside the school praying with their mats, I don't know if it's five times a day doing their thing I don't care what the clock is saying at their place of employment. They know their life assignment. Good God Almighty. They're not intimidated by the paycheck. Because Allah said I got to do it. So I'm going to do it. Bold about it. And the school says we need to make a place in the school now. So that they can do their prayer. They just stayed the course at the hotel because this is my way of life. Until finally they recognized that they ain't changing their way of life. So we have to change our way of life. Oh, God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. This is good. I'm equipping you today. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. This is not a Republican. I'm talking. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about life. That, that's not the only thing. Culture and society and just some of the things that has been exposed to our children have to constantly be watching what Lizzie's watching, because she could be surfing on the Internet for some great show, some kid-friendly show, but all of a sudden something pops up first. So I've got to have her in the house of God. That's my point. I've got to get in the house of the Lord. I've got to get because that's what Jesus says. He came and says, "I'm asking questions." That's why we don't have children's ministry; we have ministry to children. That's why we don't have women's; ministry. we have ministry to women. That's why we have ministry to men. That's what I'm telling you. we have ministry so you can ask questions, so you can know how to live life. Come on, young people! Come on, you got to be stronger than that. Come on, young people! Show your faith. Be bold about it. See, I'm gonna pray in my school. Why? Because where I go, they speak life. And I'm speaking life to the school. No more mass school shooting. Come on, why? Because I'm here speaking life. I'll be bold for my faith. So the setting was this Jesus made prayer a priority, and Jesus made being his father's house a priority. Because what he wanted was through prayer and through the house was to get his life assignment. Because Jesus in his occupation was a carpenter. That's how we made a living. But when he came at the age of 30, come on somebody. <laughs> ah, God. All that was taught... All that was revealed to him, he now steps in and he gets baptized. Come on. And the angel, like, so the, 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 uh, the dove is upon him. The Holy Spirit descends like, like a dove on him. And he hears his father's voice. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. He gets his life assignment because he spent time in prayer and spent time in the temple. If you're trying to raise children that's going to push against the culture, they must make prayer a priority. They must make prayer a priority. They have to do that, right? And so here we have the setting. Finally, now we look at the setup. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. So here it is now that the religious people, they they, they set this woman up. That's what the enemy wants. He wants to set you up and take you out. He use religion, he used rebellion, he used whatever, to try to set you up. make you say things about your life that's not true. He wants to set you up. He wants to talk you out of your life purpose, out of your life assignment. He, he, he sets this woman up. and what's interesting was they said they caught the very act of adultery. So it wasn't that it was over, the act was over, they said, "Hey, hey, we have it. They're sitting there watching. Just watching the act. Instead of them speaking to it, they were just watching and witnessing the act because their motive was what their motive was perverted, their motive was pride, the, the, their motive was trying to trick Jesus. They, they were trying to their issue wasn't with the woman, the issue was with Jesus. And see, we have church now that they'll tell you, hey, hey, I have no issue with sin. It's your savior I don't like. <laughs> preaching this message absolutely from the Holy Ghost. And so what we do, we have to make a choice. So we dump down the sin so they'll accept our Savior. And so he can make it a the tolerance sticker that you put on the car. Because we dump down the sin for the sake of unity. And so we make a living as Christians call Christianity, and we don't know the life in the kingdom. The setup. And this has been going on for years. Every generation done the same thing. So the reason was this: the religious folks didn't know what to do with her. When someone walks into our place. Walks into this church. And they've been caught. Galatians 6.1 tells our assignment. Hey, we know what to do. We choose life. We choose life. But you don't understand. I was set up and now I have shame. That's the third part. I now have shame. The enemy set up is to bring shame. It's to bring shame. We're going to end with this one. Here it is. The shame and the stone. They come. Here, God. So I'm told that whenever someone was caught in breaking the law, that the witness would get the person and they would throw him to the ground. Get away from me. Just throw him to the ground. Come on. you want Facebook Live. Work with me. How many of us have experienced that? That we were caught in something and our shame pushed us to the ground. Just like that enemy. Our shame pushes to the ground. Can I teach you something? Remember I told you that spiritual growth, God prepares your heart for growth? This might be hard for some of us to swallow, but even in the midst of the sin, God was working. Even the motives of the Pharisees, God was still working. That he said, the only way to get you all so, what you thought was shame, God says, No, you need to know my name. And so, when that devil pushed you to the ground, he was getting a posture for prayer. Come on, somebody. When he pushed you to the ground, he was getting a posture for the Father to speak over you. And so, when that devil tries to bring the shame, he says, No, devil, no. God is working. pushes her, pushes her down. And then he goes, Stay right there. So, pray. He stays right there and he says, watch. His teacher, this woman, was caught in the act of adultery. They watched, they witnessed, she was caught in the very act of it. And here, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone her. Can I go back to Luke 22? Jesus is accustomed to stone oh, God! Because in Luke 22, it says that he was praying a stone throw away. And so here it is now that they have stones, but Jesus is the rock. So we have the stone versus the rock. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Come on, somebody. And they're going to speak life. So what the enemy was trying to do is set you up, AJ, God was says, oh, no, 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 baby. I'm going to use that to give you your significance. And They said, Now what do you say? Thanks, beautiful. Before I get to life, we spent the last few moments talking about the law, the law of life, and the enemy. Is asking the same question. What do you say, Jesus? What do you say about this situation? Here was Jesus. His answer. We'll get to this next week. What do I say? Here was Jesus. And the reason they kept questioning him, they kept questioning they kept questioning him, because they wanted him to make a decision. There was a conflict taking place between what they believed and what Jesus was teaching. And we have a generation, we have a generation that's now struggling between what they know, what their parents have told them, what the word of God says, and what the culture, what the media, what the music, what society is saying. And here is the question, what do you say, Jesus. So we take a survey, and people are saying, Well, not everything in the Bible is. It just didn't really say that. So keep on living, it won't affect your life. Come on, don't be such a, a holy roller. Be relevant. Jesus didn't really mean what he said. As a matter of fact, I believe he probably sinned as well. So come on. Keep living the way you're living because it won't affect your life. And I promise you as the pastor of this church serving what I believe to be the most beautiful a good looking church on the planet. One thing that we will do is we will choose life at the expense of trying to make a living. What do you say, Jesus? What is he saying to you this morning? Has he told you your life assignment? Because he wants to hear your answer to it. Thank you, Jesus. For those who are watching the Facebook Live, what what is Jesus saying? It's not the question of where in, in Matthew he said, hey, what are people saying about me? And then he asked him, well, what do you think I am? The... the, the, the The sin was right there, and they're saying, hey, what do you say? The law says this, but what do you say? Will you go against the very customs, the very traditions, the very things that we've been teaching as a nation for years? What do you say? You have head bowed, every eyes closed. Thank you, Jesus. Hear me now. Hear. He's speaking. Don't be distracted by the moonlight. He's speaking. Now, what do you say? For those of us that have lived in shame, see, when my, for me, it was when my father left, I had to hear what the father had to say. And for years, I tried for years. I tried to cover the shame by making a living. But it wasn't until I encountered Jesus That I finally realized he wants me to have life. Now, what do you say? You need your life assignment. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I choose life. Where, Pastor Rob, where, where did Jesus choose life? By keeping his mouth closed, he spoke. Oh, God. He goes and he writes on the ground with his finger. Nobody knows what he wrote. But somehow what Jesus said without saying it was I choose life. This morning, if you have chosen life, I want us to leave this place in a time of praise and worship and hunger for God because we now have life and have it more abundantly, we know a life assignment you are equipped for the assignment that God has for you and I want us to worship the Lord as if we know beyond a shot of a doubt that Jesus has chosen life. I don't know what he wrote to you Mother cook but he wrote something that changed your life. I don't know what he wrote to you Brandy, but he's writing something to change your life. Hey John, I know what he's writing on the ground but he's writing something that's going to change your life. John, I don't know what he's writing on the ground but he's going to write something to change your life. My God. I don't know going tell you what he's writing on the ground but he's writing something and he's saying I choose life. Let him write the story of your life. Go ahead. I, I, I want us to, to come to this altar. Because 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 he's he's riding, he's riding on the ground. And he's saying, I choose life. Up. Go ahead, sing real softly. I want you to come. Because this week, these next seven days are not going to be like the previous seven days. No, no, no. No, no, they're not. Because the last seven days you were making a living, these next seven days you're going to have life. He's riding on the ground. And those who are watching now, He's riding on the ground. He's riding. Jesus, the Word of God, is writing the story of your life. Is there anybody in this place? Hey, is there anybody in this place? Come on, you thirst. Come.